Planning for the End Game May you live in interesting times was supposedly an ancient Chinese curse. Historians really only write about the great events, usually disasters and wars, as there is not much of interest in peaceful, serene times. So, if the period you live in is interesting, it is probably not serene. Volatility and the unknown become a part of the fabric of life. Unfortunately, as far as investing is concerned, we live in very interesting times. As I write this forward, we have just come through the worst financial crisis and most serious recession since the Great Depression. It appears that the economies are recovering in the United States and Asia, but there are rumblings that things might not be so good in the Eurozone. Many of its economies are in recessions, ranging from mild to severe, and the credibility of the sovereign debt of the Club Med countries is in doubt. Indeed, just as we lurched from one bubble to another over the past decade, we are rapidly approaching the bursting of the next bubble, that of sovereign debt. While consumers and businesses are retrenching, and the world of private debt is involved in the great deleveraging, governments around the world are running massive deficits as they try to stimulate their economies in the face of unemployment and slack demand. But there is a limit to the amount of money they can borrow and to the interest rates they will be able to pay, as the turmoil in Greece and the rest of the Mediterranean demonstrates. Even Japan will find there is a limit. And we are rapidly approaching that limit. As investors, we must now contemplate the end game. What will the investment climate be when the developed world is forced to deleverage? For some countries, it will be deflation. For others, it will be inflation. You can count on major currency fluctuations. Recessions will come more often and be more persistent. Unemployment will remain uncomfortably high. Interest rates? Expect them to be low until markets lose confidence in the ability of a government to repay its debt. As Reinhardt and Rogoff wrote, Highly indebted governments, banks, or corporations can seem to be merrily rolling along for an extended period when, bang, confidence collapses, lenders disappear, and a crisis hits. Bang is the right word. It is the nature of human beings to assume that the current trend will work out, that things can't really be as bad as they seem. Compare how the bond markets looked only a year ago with how they looked just a few months before World War I. There was no sign of an impending war. Everyone thought that cooler heads would prevail. In a similar vein, just prior to the recent credit crisis, bond markets, and indeed all other markets, around the world were not signaling that the worst credit crisis in 70 years was about to emerge. And then, overnight, so it seemed, the banking markets collapsed. Bang, indeed. We can look back now and see where we made mistakes in the current crisis. We actually believed that this time was different, that we had better financial instruments, smarter regulators, and that we were so, well, modern. Times were different. We knew how to deal with leverage. Borrowing against your home was a good thing. Housing values would always go up, and so on. Now there are voices telling us that things are headed back to normal. 
Mainstream forecasts for GDP growth this year are quite robust, north of 4% for the year, based on evidence from past recoveries. However, the underlying fundamentals of a banking crisis are far different from those of a business cycle recession. It typically takes years to work off excess leverage in a banking crisis, with unemployment often rising for four years running. So, John, this is all very interesting, but what does it have to do with a book on commodities?